Well, good morning. I'm so glad you joined us today. I'm so happy that you are here at church, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Uh, couldn't be more excited about this series that we kicked off last week on joy from the book of Philippians here at Hope. We love studying God's word. We believe all scripture is inspired and useful. It can change our life. So what we do here is we, we study God's word and have a lot of fun doing that. So I'm just glad you're here to do that with us. And we all have things in our life that get us excited. Could be a, a deal you found, a conversation you had with somebody that uh, you just reconnected with after a long time, or uh, maybe your child did something amazing, they won their tournament or whatever. We get excited about things in life, and part of the joy of that excitement is getting it to, to share that joy with other people. And I had this uh, experience this year. Our family uh, traveled to Florida, and we stopped in South Carolina. Never been to the Carolinas before. Very beautiful. We did uh, find this uh, barbecue joint that was just amazing with the pulled pork, mac and cheese, yeah, collard greens. You know, I mean, man, I'm just getting hungry thinking about it. And uh, amazing, amazing restaurant. But uh, when the waitress asked me what I wanted to drink, I just said, hey, what do you have? And she said, you know, we have these different sodas and we have something called Cheerwine. Have any of you ever heard of Cheerwine before? Okay, all right. So uh, I said, what's Cheerwine? She says, it's this soda that comes out of North Carolina. I'm like, oh, okay, what does it taste like? She says, it's got a cherry flavor. It's kind of like uh, a cross between a cherry Coke and a Dr. Pepper, only she said, obviously much better. I'm thinking, oh, obviously. Uh, so I said, I'll take one of those. I took one sip. It was a sparkling cherry explosion in my mouth. It's literally the best soda I've ever tried in my entire life. I mean, it, it was mind-blowing. I was so excited about this soda. It was unbelievable. I had discovered the best soda I've ever tasted in my entire life. I don't know where you get this stuff, but if you've got a secret stash, let me know. Um, I couldn't wait to get back and tell my friends. Just ask the staff. I blew up a staff meeting talking about, a cheer, talking about cheer wine. I literally did. I was so excited. And that's what we do, right? We get excited about things in life, and we can't wait to tell other people about something we love. And I just think today, how much more joy would we experience in our relationship with God if we began to share that joy with others? You know, if we want to experience, we, our series called, is called The Joy of Knowing Christ. If we want to experience the full joy of knowing Jesus Christ, we got to tell some people, right? I mean, we all know the joy of sharing something we enjoy. C.S. Lewis once made this observation, and I want you to think about it, because this is very much, this is very a human thing here. C.S. Lewis observed, the delight is incomplete until it's expressed. And that's so true about anything that we enjoy in life. It's an incomplete joy until we express it to others. And that just fills up the joy even more. And I just wonder today, could it be that when we hold back in sharing our faith, we're actually holding back our joy? When what we really want to do is share that joy, you know, like preach it from the mountaintops, tell that joy, release that joy into the world by sharing the the good news of Jesus Christ with others. So today I want to talk to you about the joy of preaching Christ. 
I know, like, a lot of you are sitting there today, and you think, okay, the joy of preaching Christ, that's, you know, that's what the preacher does. Um, but, when, but today I want to talk about, like, what if we began to share that joy with others? All of us here in this room. And when you begin to think about that idea of preaching Christ, a lot of us have different responses. Some people get nervous. Oh, you know, sharing Jesus with others. I don't know if I can do that. That makes me nervous. Uh, I was a youth pastor for many years, and I was talking to the kids about sharing their faith with friends at middle school, and I was like, hey, what's the worst that could happen if you tell somebody about Jesus? And they were like, we could get beat up. I was like, okay, you're probably not going to be, get beat up, but some of us might not feel like we have the safety in certain environments or certain relationships to actually open up about our faith. And we want to talk about that today. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, Brian, my faith is a private thing. And a lot of us feel that way. I've felt that way at times. But when we look at Christianity, Christianity is not a private faith. Think about Jesus. Jesus hung naked, bleeding, and dying publicly on a cross for every one of us. So how can we hold Jesus privately? Um, is there a passion in our heart that we can't help but share with the world? We'll talk about that. Maybe you're here today and you're not a church person. You're, you're, you're hearing that we're talking about the joy of preaching Christ. And you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, they're trying to convert me. We got you here, didn't we? <laughs> okay, okay, all right, no, no, no. Be good, be good, all right. Last week, we talked about how so many times in our life, our joy rises and falls with our circumstances. We all experience that. You know, good things happen, we're happy, we face difficulty, we can feel anxious or stressed. And we talked last week that there is a joy in Jesus that does not depend on the circumstances of our life. There is a joy in Jesus Christ that actually triumphs over the circumstances of our life. And we want every person in this room to experience the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. So what is the good news? What has Jesus done? We'll talk about that a little bit today as well. So let's take a look at our theme verse, Philippians 4.4. 4. Will you guys say this with me? Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Thank you. I love that. Rejoice where? Where does our joy come? In the Lord. And how often do we rejoice? Always. That's the joy that's available in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about how we can express the joy of knowing Jesus to the world around us. And all the inspiration we need comes right here from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Philippians chapter 1. And we'll read this together. We're starting in verse 12, Philippians 1 verse 12, and we'll go to the end of the chapter. This is what it says, Philippians 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. It's talking about um, more and more people hearing about Jesus. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Where is Paul? He's in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient Courage, 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 so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that we get to be here in church this morning and that we get to open up your word so that our life can be changed by Jesus. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would fill our hearts today with the joy of the Lord and that we would come to know and understand the good news of the gospel in a way that emboldens us to share that joy with the world around us. You are an awesome God. You surprise us in so many ways and we are happy to be your children. So we give you this time. Would you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, we're talking about sharing the joy of Jesus. How do we express the joy of Jesus to the world around us? Three quick ideas. Number one, share the good news of Jesus. Share the good news of Jesus. One of the ways a joyful Christian uh, expresses their joy to the world around them is by telling others about the good news of Christ. And of course, we can look at the pa Apostle Paul as an amazing example of that. He inspires us to share our faith. Look at verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So let's review here a little bit what has happened to Paul. Maybe you're Joining us here in week two, um, what actually happened to Paul? Well, Paul is now a prisoner in Rome for telling others about Jesus. Exactly what I'm encouraging you to do today. He was in prison for Ro in Rome for doing that. He's awaiting a trial. Um, 
there will, a verdict will be reached in this trial. And that could mean either acquittal or execution. It is life or death. And he really doesn't know what's coming his way. Now, Paul writes this letter to his friends in Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. And his friends in Philippi are really concerned about him. They have a deep care and love and concern for the Apostle Paul. They hear he's in prison, and they send this guy named Epaphroditus to go and visit Paul. He brings care. He brings some words of encouragement. And um, his question, you know, he's going to go back, and everybody's going to ask, okay, tell us about Paul. Is he okay? What are his conditions in prison? Has a verdict been reached? Is it life? Is it death? Let us know. Paul writes Philippians to send a personal update to his friends in Philippi. He's going to hand that to Epaphroditus, who will hand deliver that back to the church in Philippi. We'll learn more about him in the weeks to come. But what excites me about this passage, and especially this verse, Paul says, now I want you to know. What is the number one thing that Paul wants his friends in Philippi to know about? It's not the weight of his chains. It's not the darkness of his prison cell. He wants them to know that what he's experiencing is actually serving to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. How crazy is that? You know, Paul, he traveled the world telling people about Jesus. Well, they said, here's how we'll stop that. We'll lock him up. That'll keep him quiet. Surprise, the gospel's advancing. Paul's saying, I'm still telling people about Jesus. How awesome is that? And now he gives us two amazing examples of how the gospel is moving forward through his, his chains. Verse 13. First example, the palace guard. Oh, you're going to stop me from traveling the world to tell people about Jesus? Well, hey, I'm under guard 24-7. Guess who's becoming more aware of Jesus and how he changes our lives. I've got a captive audience. I'm literally chained to this guard. But it's not just the guards. Verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Who are the brothers and sisters? These are not Paul's siblings. Now, brothers and sisters here, these are the Christians in the city of Rome. There was a church in Rome at this time. There were some Christians there. When they hear Paul, the apostle, the great Paul, is in prison here in Rome, they become even more bold and even more confident in sharing their faith with others. Surprise, the gospel is still going forward. It's amazing. This is what I want for us. And yes, Paul says, some people preach Jesus from false motives. You guys ever experienced that? Preacher and, you know, preaching Christ for fame or money or all those things. We've all seen that. But what's interesting is Paul, Paul admits that. He mentions that. There are these people preaching Christ even then from false motives. But he doesn't get hung up on that. In fact, in verse 18, he says, what does it matter? The most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. What is the most important thing to Paul? What gives him so much joy? The preaching of Jesus Christ. 
And he understood that people need the message we share. And we need to be bold and courageous in sharing that message. So here we go. Share the good news of Jesus. How do we do this? How do we do this? Three quick ideas. Three subpoints. Please don't get lost in my subpoints. I just got a lot of excitement today. Sorry. We'll be done by one. No, just kidding. <laughs> Three quick ideas of sharing the good news of Jesus as application. Number one, discover the gospel for yourself. Have you discovered the good news of the gospel for your, yourself? We can't give what we don't possess. We can't talk about what we don't understand. What is the gospel? Probably heard that word before. The gospel just means good news. Here in our series, we're calling it the joy of knowing Jesus. And what is that joy? What is that gospel? I've shared this before. If you're looking for just, an, uh, just a simple definition of the gospel, what, what has God done in Jesus Christ? Here it is right here. God created us to be with him. You were created for a relationship with God. He loves you so much. He made you. He gave you gifts, right? He, he, he made us. He created us. But what happened? Our sins separated us from God. And that's every one of us. We all have sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But here's the thing. Sins cannot be erased by good deeds. It's not a matter of being a, a better person or, you know, not being a bad person. None of us are good enough to overcome the distance between us and God created by sin. And that's why the Bible teaches you and I need a Savior. We need Jesus. And paying the price for sin, Jesus died on a cross. He rose from the dead so that everybody who trusts in Jesus alone has eternal life. Life with Jesus can start today and it lasts forever. That is the gospel. That is what Jesus Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe you're here today and it is our prayer. And, and, and you might say, you know what? I, I really don't know Jesus. I really don't have Jesus living in my heart. And we're praying, even as you look at this, this gospel message here up on the screen, that God would begin opening up your heart so that through the power of Jesus Christ, you might experience a new life in him. He changes lives. He forgives sin. And if you're here today and you want your sin forgiven, if you want to know that you go to heaven when you die, if, if you want that void filled in your heart, if you're looking for a passion and a purpose, there is good news in Jesus Christ. And today, it's simply a matter of putting your trust in him. To all who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And it's our prayer that even right now, you would say yes to Jesus Christ and surrender your life to him. And if you made that decision today, please let us know. We want to celebrate that with you. But if we want to take that good news to the world, we, we have to discover the good news of the gospel for ourselves. Second idea here, just by application of how we can share the good news. Number two, raise up the flag of faith. And I, I really love this uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think just, I've, been, I've really been encouraged by how many conversations God has opened up with others just by simply letting people know that I'm a believer in Jesus. But uh, growing up, one of my favorite things was knights and castles. I don't know about you guys. I just kind of love that stuff growing up. And uh, even uh, 
You know, like how they had all the medieval torture devices and all those guys. I remember being like a nine-year-old boy, like, oh, man, Iron Maiden, this is awesome, this is sick. So, uh, anyways, illustration. A medieval castle, I learned as a kid, was the home of a lord or a king. And somebody very important lived in that castle. And during those days, as people traveled... They, and they would come up to a castle. They would look at the flag above the castle to determine if, if this was friend or foe. And, and even from a long way off, because that flag was flying over the castle, someone knew who was the Lord of that castle. And we can do the same thing as followers of Jesus Christ. Where we live, where we work, and where we play, we can slip up that flag of faith and just say, hey, I am a Christian. And there are just little ways that you can do that, whether it's saying, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. I'll pray for you. It could be like, oh, yeah, like this weekend I'm serving in my church. Whatever way that is in the simple ways and opportunities that God has given you, let people know, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Lift up that flag of faith so people know who is the Lord and Savior of your life, of your castle. And we see Paul doing this in prison. Remember what he said about the prison guard? And the people around him, he said, they know I am in chains for Christ. It's not just that they knew he was in chains. Everybody could see that. They knew that he was in chains for Christ. They, they knew the, the banner that flew over his life was Jesus Christ. And we can do that. Um, last idea I have for helping you share the good news is number three. Let your prison become your pulpit. Let your prison become your pulpit. Paul didn't want to be in prison. That wasn't his first choice. But he turned his prison into his pulpit. He saw an opportunity wherever God had placed him to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, I love this statement in verse 16. He says, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. I'm put here. Right? Why, why do you live in the neighborhood you do? Why, why, do, you, why do you sit next to that that, that person in the office, why do you go to, why do you go to class with those other students? I, I think Paul would say, no, no, you're here for the gospel, right? Where you live, where you work, where you play. God has put you there for a reason. You have a purpose, and that's to share the joy of Jesus with others. And we can make our place. Some of you might feel like a prison. Yeah, my job feels like a prison. So turn your prison into your pulpit. Maybe you like your job. Well, turn your place into a pulpit. I'll let you choose if it's place or prison. Um, in 1960, Yuki Wu was arrested by the Chinese Communist Party for being an anti-revolutionary. So uh, here's a guy, and I'm going to show you a video in a second. Um, here's a guy. He, you remember 1960s, communist revolution, all of that. Um, he was not a Christian. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus. He also did not believe in the Communist Party. And because of that, he was arrested and sentenced to seven years in a Chinese prison. But something changed when he began to share a cell with a guy who had been put in prison for his faith, a guy named Watchman Nee. Now, Watchman Nee died in prison for his faith in Christ, but... Yuki Wu was later released, and he told, he shared his testimony of meeting um, Watchman Nee. 
and how he gave his life to Christ. So uh, check out this short testimony. Jesus, how else am I going to meet Watchman Nee? I got to go to prison. And it, he was so thankful that he did. Guys, who arranged it? Who put you in that neighborhood? Who, who brought you to that school? Who, who has you working on that site? Jesus Christ, he arranged it. And whose life would be changed? He would raise up that flag of faith and say, Jesus changed my life. He can change yours too. It's our story. How do we express our joy in Jesus to the world? We share the good news of Jesus. Number two, I love this one, exude passion for Jesus. This goes all the way back to the beginning, to the Cheerwine story. We have something exciting. We have something passionate. Um, you know, we can give you the tools. Oh, the G-O-S-P-E-L, that's really nice. But unless we have the passion, we'll never use the tools. And here at Hope, we say one of our core values is that Christianity is a matter of the heart. We're not here to check off a box or to be religious or any of those things. Because our faith is a matter of the heart. And we can, we can take that passion and we can share it to the world. Paul exudes passion for Jesus. You heard that, Philippians 1, 20 to 21. Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is a man with a passion for Jesus Christ. If I'm going to live, it's Christ. If I die, it's Christ. It's gain. I'm excited for next week. Um, this week, we're focusing on the first half of that statement. To live is Christ. Next week, Steve Obot, he's going to come and he's going to share this. The second half, to die is gain. What is the hope of the believer beyond death? You're not going to want to miss that because what God has in store for us is so incredible, Paul actually says, it's better, I'm torn, I don't know what to do. But you hear Paul's passion, right? Whatever comes his way, he says, live, Christ, die, Christ. He gives a third option, maybe I'm released. He says, well, that's gonna be for your joy and the faith. That's gonna be for Christ too. What can you do to a man like this who knows his purpose and knows his passion? And I'm praying for every one of us today that, that God would give us a passion for Jesus Christ. Would he set a fire in our hearts so that we might exude passion for Jesus wherever we go. I think we know in this life and in the world around us, it's all about passion. Just think about it. Think about how crazy people go for their sports teams. Right? We're already thinking about the games later today. But it's not just a game. We're not just uh, checking the scores. No. The most diehard fans have a driving, uh, maybe irrational passion for following their teams. Right? No matter how many times they lose, we just keep coming back. Passion. We want passion in our work. Now, there's something that's been going on in our culture the last couple of years called the Great Resignation. Millions and millions of people have left jobs or changed God jobs. Why? Because they don't want just a job. They want to feel something. 
Right? They want a passion for what they do. Passion matters. We want passion in our relationships. Right? Many couples have, have come to us just struggling and they're saying, we don't know what to do. We've lost the spark. We've lost the passion. We, as human beings, long for passion. And if there is something in our hearts that nothing in this world can satisfy, as C.S. Lewis said, maybe we're made for another world. Maybe God made us to discover passion in life through a relationship with God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Passion, passion for Christ. And would God ignite that fire in our hearts today? Later in 2 Timothy 1, Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. I fan that passion into flame. The gift of God, the Holy Spirit inside of you. How do we do that? Right? We get into the Word. We're reading Scripture. We're connecting with other passionate believers in Jesus. That's why community is so awesome. We're, we're worshiping God, praising Him. And, it's, and uh, what we want to do is when we go up out into that world, we want people to see the passion that God has put inside of us. That speaks almost louder than words, right? Last one, number three. How do we express our joy in Jesus to the world around us? How do we shout it from the mountaintop? Number one, share the good news about Jesus. Number two, exude passion for Jesus. Last one, live unafraid for Jesus. Paul was a man who was unafraid. He was brave. He was bold. He was unafraid to follow Jesus. He was unafraid to speak up about Jesus. He was unafraid to represent Jesus, even if it cost him his life. And now Paul's done giving us some updates. And he turns to give his very first exhortation. And what is his exhortation to us as believers in Jesus Christ? He says, live fearless. For Jesus. Don't be frightened by anything. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to Philippians 1, 27 to 30. Paul says whatever happens. He doesn't know, will he live, will he die? He doesn't know what will come his way or what will come our way. He says whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you were going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. He says there in the last line, they're going through this, the same struggle. And what struggle is that? For those of you who've been with us through the series, um, and you have a little background, you can start to connect the dots. Uh, where, where is Paul in prison? You guys remember, where is he in prison? Rome. What kind of city is Philippi? Remember? Philippi is a Roman city. So they know, they know where the opposition is coming from, and and it's even going to get stronger in the days to, that come ahead. And Paul says, whatever happens, live unafraid for Jesus. Right? Stand firm in one spirit. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. Don't be frightened by anything. 
We need courageous Christians. We need Christians who will live unafraid for Jesus Christ. In our culture today, it can be difficult to even speak what is true or stand up for what is right because our culture is going in such a different direction. And, and at times, there can be so much intimidation. Guys, we need to be unafraid. I don't, I don't, we don't back down because of fear. But we keep following Jesus Christ and we live lives worthy of the gospel. You know, it, take, it took courage for the Apostle Paul to keep telling people about Jesus, even with the threat of imprisonment and death. It took courage for Daniel to pray when a law was passed that no one could pray but to the king alone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego demonstrated courage, right? When by not bowing down to the golden statue when everybody else was bowing down around them. That's the kind of courage we as Christians need. They had a saying in the early church that, that, that the world around them, they, they would say Christians are fearless. That's us. We are the fearless followers of Jesus Christ. We're men and women living lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't back down. We don't give in. Some of us are, are afraid. Right? We're, we're holding back because of fear. Maybe, maybe it's fear that's actually holding you back from saying yes to Jesus and following him. It could be fear that keeps you from exuding passion for Christ or, or even telling others the good news. Guys, that fear has to go. That fear has to be gone. Paul said it. He said, he said, if I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ Jesus. Living lives worthy of the gospel. So to wrap up, how do we share the joy of Jesus with the world around us? Number one, share the good news of Jesus. Exude passion for Jesus. And number three, live unafraid for Jesus. Earlier I mentioned Watchman Nee, who was a arrested by the Chinese communists in 1952. He died in a Chinese labor camp in 1972. It was all for his faith in Christ. But uh, he had a little motto that I've been holding on to. Um, it's just beautiful. This is what he said. He said, I want nothing for myself. I want everything for the Lord. I want nothing for myself. I want everything for the Lord. Paul had an even shorter motto that we can all embrace as Christians. He just said, to live as Christ. To live as Christ. And Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus loved us so much. He laid down his life. He, he gave his life on a cross for us that we too can live for him. We can give him everything. Our passion, our love, our excitement, and that's our heart. So I invite you as we close, let's pray, and uh, we'll worship him together. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the joy we have in Christ. It's not by what we do, it's because of what Christ has done for us. So I pray for our church family and all that we're going through. Uh, we come with burdens, we come with, with grief, we come with stress, we come with excitement and joys. And we bring all those to you today. And we say, Jesus, be magnified. Jesus, be glorified. You are 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are our hope. You are our salvation. And for those who've never trusted in Jesus, I want to invite you to do that right now. And to simply say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life so that I could be forgiven and have a relationship with you. I give you my life today. Would you fill me up with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you all the days of my life? And that's our heart. That's our passion. Fill us up with the Holy Spirit and boldness so that we can go forward from this place to honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Will you stand as we close?